Hello, listener. My name is Kai. Welcome to Dust. This is the final story in my first collection. But this ending is a new beginning. Because I'm always collecting, guiding, sharing, helping you find the thread. Entry 6. The Motivation Cure by R.K. Nickel. Listen carefully. We have reached the edge of the horizon. I will begin my story in 18 seconds. Take a breath. Imagine. A future so close you can almost feel it. A world so real you can almost touch it. This is dust. An MFA in sculpture, and this is where I find myself. Rendering and printing 3D plastic couples to put on top of wedding cakes. I can't wait to share that with the alumni magazine. I can't imagine having the time or energy to plan a wedding. Making seating charts, fighting over the guest list, tediously tying ribbons around the invitations. But I need to imagine it. Emily often reminds me that we can't stay engaged forever. I know she's right, but at the moment we're barely scraping by. She's climbing the ladder at the advertising agency, but me... Even though I'm up late every night, working my ass off to make already happy couples even happier, I'm basically living off her charity. But it's okay, or it will be okay. There are only two more orders in the queue. Two more wedding cakes to top. Two more, maybe if we wish it hard enough, it will come true mannequins to render, print and ship. Then I'll create something of my own. Now that I can imagine. A perfect Venus. She has shimmered in my mind for so long. The shape of her cheeks, the depth of her eyes, the cut of her jaw, the long lines of her legs, the feel of her cool curves beneath my fingers. That's what it means to be a sculptor, a real sculptor, capturing the human form like all the masters before me. That's the threshold. If I can complete her, I'll know I've finally become what I was born to be. I finish the soon-to-be-plastic couple and hit print. Before starting on the next one, I decide to undercut the feeling of accomplishment with a dose of social media. Nikhil. Of course it'd be fucking Nikhil smiling at me. A total loser of a freshman roommate. Talented, sure, but he never bothered to do anything about it. Until one day, he did. Suddenly, he's Mr Forbes 30 under 30. Now, a few years later, he's raking in the GDP of central Wankistan and posting selfies with some CEO who's decided to license his tech optimization bullshit. How do you do it? I message. I don't expect him to respond, but just as I'm opening the next order... It reads, 230 West Mendeline Avenue. That's it. And then he logs off. An address? I'm turning it over in my mind when Emily pokes her head into the office. Mark? She looks great, dressed to kill. Precise eyeliner and a plunging neckline. But all I can think is, shit, what am I forgetting? Every time I forget something like this, it kills Em, just a little. Whatever it is, it means I won't be finishing this job tonight, which means the order queue will get pushed. Mark, are you going to dinner in sweats? Right, no, I'm... I'll get changed. She smiles at me. The way one smiles at someone when they're in love. I take another bite of steak. It's tender and juicy, cooked to perfection. 
We used to be more spontaneous, but at this point, Emily's taken to scheduling date nights. She's good at adapting, finding ways to make life fun. I know I should be happy, happy she cares enough to adapt. But at my current rate, it would take 32 minutes to pay for this delicious asparagus, if I were paying for it. And that's just the asparagus. Babe. My eyes focus. I guess she's been talking to me. My mind was on West Mendeline. I've been mulling over what secrets the address might hold. I was asking if you'd be able to come to Melissa's birthday party next month. Best party every year. Open bar, live music, catered, in-your-face extravagance. Oh, aye. Uh, maybe. It depends what work is like, how many orders I need to fill. You know. I do. Just keep it in mind. Emily says this with genuine understanding in her voice. She believes in me. Really believes. Like she knows I'm going to be a famous sculptor one day. Are you sure you don't want any wine? Before I can answer, I look down at my smartwatch. A new order just came in. Oh, I should stay sharp. I need to work when we get home. But when we get home, I don't work. Emily drags me to the bedroom, full seductively slips out of her dress and throws herself into some impressive foreplay. Eventually, as I'm performing my perfunctory thrusts, I stare down at her face until it becomes indistinct, her moans distant. Suddenly, she's not Emily. She's a 3D model suspended on my hollow screen, a permanently delighted plastic figurine. That night, I dream of my Venus. She beckons to me from across a great chasm, tangible yet unreachable, her beauty veiled by darkness and distance. She seems to whisper, and in the swirling way of dreams, I can just make out the sound. Mendeline. I wake up to another order, another couple to render and print and ship. I've tried raising my prices, but the free market sends too many people looking elsewhere. I'll never finish the orders. I'll get close, but before I can start work on my Venus, another will come in, and another, and on and on, until I'm nothing but a rotting corpse who's never done anything. What reason will Emily have to be with me? I won't be Nikhil. I certainly won't be Michelangelo. I won't be anyone. The building at 230 West Mendeline Avenue is much brighter than I'd imagined. All techy glass and light and pomp. This place houses no mysterious secrets, no answers that I'm looking for. Feeling foolish, I turn to walk out when... Yo! He's young. In his chic suit, he looks the progeny of a second-generation CEO courting his third trophy wife. Just another kid, probably worth more millions than he can count. You must be interested in the procedure. I'm Tyler. There's something unsettling about his eyes. It's like looking into a pair of dark, bottomless holes. They eat light. He leads me down a hallway so massive I feel we're walking through a cathedral. Holograms of famous clients smile and wave as we pass. Just a few of the people we've helped? I recognize nearly all of them. Social media gurus, emperors of hotel conglomerates, holotech innovators, politicians, and more apropos, artists, famous musicians, writers, actors. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the appropriate reaction. <laughs> so, you want to get yourself on the wall? The Kyle told us you're talented. The procedure is, well, it's all very proprietary, but you know how you get a burst of adrenaline? It's like time slows down and you're hyper-focused, able to accomplish whatever you set your mind to? Well, we've found a way to tap into that, to take away distractions, a way to make you better, 
so that you can be the you you want to be. He taps a keycard to a scanner and we walk into a new section. People in lab coats move through rooms without interacting. Cables dangle from the ceiling and climb from the floor. It's as if we are inside some enormous brain. It's different for everyone. It's very complex. Gotta knock you out for a couple of hours and do a complete scan of your brain, and then we'll map the neural pathways to see which ones we can boost and how far we can overclock you. It's super safe, though. We've got a 100% success rate. I, I've actually done it myself. He points behind his ear to a tiny blinking diode. I look around. The white coats all have diodes, too. They flash a blue pinprick in rhythm. On, off, light, dark, like synchronized fireflies or something. Suddenly, I feel like I have to get out of this place. Something is off. Something inhuman is going on. It's, it's all very impressive, but I probably can't afford it. It's free. Free? Yeah, yeah, I know. There ain't no such thing as a free lunch, so it's not exactly free. The procedure actually costs us a bundle, but there's no upfront cost to you. Basically, Every one of our clients is an investment. We're so sure about our product and how it's going to work that we initially don't charge anything. But if in the next month or so your income at least doubles, we take just 5%. Fuck, I mean, you saw our clients. It's working, right? He casually gestures toward the only image in the room. The current US president who, until last year's election, was the mayor of a dying hamlet in the American heartland. She winks and gives me a thumbs up. At this point in my life, what do I have to lose? I'm in. Next thing I know, I'm lying naked on a surgical table with a bunch of lab monkeys bustling around me, calibrating machines, attaching electrodes to my head. They gave me a couple of pills, so it's all getting a bit fuzzy. The white coats blend into the whiter walls, the cables into one another. Just before I lose consciousness, I see her leaning over me, solicitous. My Venus. I wake up in my own bed, alone. No idea how I got here. I check the time. 2 p.m.? I get up. In the bathroom mirror, I see them. Two tiny diodes in my neck, blinking faintly blue. I don't feel any different, but they said it might take a while for my brain to adjust. So I decide to work. I figure I'll wait to start on Venus until this thing kicks into high gear. When Emily gets home, she immediately notices the blue flashing behind my ears. I tell her it's something I read about that's supposed to help me focus. She teases me, kindly, but accepts it. She makes us a great tasting dinner, and we take time to enjoy a TV show. We laugh together. It feels good. When the episode is over, we fall into bed, and it's genuinely passionate. We fall asleep in each other's arms, but I dream of her again, my Venus. At first, she stands across the same chasm, but then she steps forward as material forms beneath her feet, a fragile bridge, but it holds her. Step after step, she draws closer until she's nearly within reach. When I wake, I feel rested, and I'm up before Emily. That's new. Shit, this is different. I can feel it. A strange energy. A mild tingling that reverberates in my brain. I throw on clothes. Real clothes today, not my usual t-shirt and sweats. And wolf down some cereal. 
By the time Emily gives me a kiss, tells me she loves me more than the stars, and heads out to work, I'm already halfway through the next bride and groom. And it's not half bad. I rag on this job, but I'm good at what I do. Five stars on Yelp and steady traffic on my website. Emily returns. It must be evening. I've completed two models, head to toe. I've never worked that fast before. Only three left in the queue, and at this rate I'll be done in no time. Emily makes another great dinner, and I can tell she's happy. When I ask her why, she gives me that warm smile, and we fall in love all over again. That night, instead of starting the next design, I end up checking out my website. The purchase flow isn't great, and there's little SEO. If I could just smooth out the user interface, I'm sure I could raise my prices. Higher prices means fewer designs per week, which equals more time for Venus. Maybe I should hire somebody to give it a polish. I don't go to bed until four, but it's fine, because fuck hiring a web guy. I did it myself after consuming YouTube tutorials at double speed. Later that morning, I decide to double my prices. I get a couple of orders by noon, at double the fucking price. Tyler, man, that bro idiot knew what he was talking about. Over the next few weeks, I settle into a routine. And what a routine it is. Whatever those guys did, it's insane. I pretty much don't sleep. All those bullshit distractions are just gone. Who needs social media and the rest of my old procrastination devices? I stop only to eat dinner with Emily, which is nice. The rest of the time, I'm kicking ass and carving out an ever-increasing share of the market. I keep raising my prices, but the sales don't slow down. It's all good. I figure if I get far enough ahead to coast, once I start my Venus, I'll be able to fully commit. I'll focus on nothing but her until I can finally see and touch my masterpiece. Mark? It's 5 a.m. I'm just gonna grab a quick catnap. Sorry I woke you, love. No. It's fine. What is it, babe? Is everything okay? I thought maybe you wanted... Oh, no. Yeah, no, I wasn't... Oh, okay. Well, we haven't done it in a while. I don't think it's ever been this long before. Shit. She's right. I honestly hadn't even thought about it. We'd been together over three years, but our sex life has managed to stay consistent until lately. I'm sorry. Work has been going so well. I've just been so focused. I don't know. I, I guess my head is just elsewhere. I'm proud of you, babe. I am. So you think you might start sculpting something now? I want to say... Why the third degree? So, I've been focused on my business. What of it? I've finally started paying my share of the rent. Isn't that what you wanted? But I don't. Absolutely. Just building up a bit of a cushion first. That way, when I dive in, I'll be able to give it 100%. Okay. She turns her back to me, nestling her body pillow. I know I should deal with it. I should apologise, keep talking, not just let it go. I close my eyes. Thirty minutes later, I'm back at work. That weekend, I get a call. It's Tyler. Just checking in on you. Standard procedure. So, everything you ever hoped? It is, and I'll gladly fork over the 5%. Who was that? Eh? Oh, the, the guy who sold me the focus thing. He's a customer survey. I don't think she believes me. The next weekend was the beginning of the end. Mark, come to Melissa's birthday party with me. Is that today? You know it is. I kind of have some things to do. I wasn't really asking.
We get to Melissa's, and once again, she's gone all out. There's a VR cube for the kiddos, top shelf open bar for the adults, and wannabe actors in black and white ferrying trays of tiny food. There are lawn games, and a great band, and my favorite people. I can't enjoy any of it. And I'm not not enjoying it in the same way I did when I was stressed about too much work and too little money. This is different. The food looks great, but I'm just not hungry. I barely touch Emily's dinners anymore, and since I'm not really eating, I pretty much don't go to the bathroom either, which is weird. Part of me would love to have a drink, but the rest of me can't be bothered. As the party progresses, people start to dance. Emily tries to drag me onto the dance floor with a kiss, but her lips ignite nothing inside me. I'm not physically numb. I can feel the pressure against my lips, but it's inert, devoid of any spark. Only the most essential information is getting through, and essential doesn't mean what it used to mean. Emily immediately pulls away, steps back. No, I'll dance. For a second, I desperately want to want to dance. She's no dummy, my Em. She knows rejection when she feels it. Her eyes are desolate, bleak like I've never seen them before. I'm going to get another drink. By the end of the following week, I've incorporated my company and have three employees doing all the hands-on work for me. I raise my prices again. I'm the number one business for 3D printed wedding cake toppers. It's a niche, but it's a niche I have conquered. Now that I'm in charge of my own destiny, I spend my days making phone calls, setting up appointments, schmoozing high-end wedding planners and their top-tier clients. The bridal industrial complex has come courting. I'm the subject of online profiles. There's even talk of a TV show. But things have grown cold in our house. I want to fix it. Well, I want to want to fix it. But I'm not running the show anymore. I think maybe we were wrong. What do you mean? About this. About us. You don't mean that. If it were meant to be, we'd be married already. We talked about this. We needed to build the right foundation. All our friends just jumped into things. It's crazy. Maybe it's not so crazy. Maybe love... Fuck, I sound cliche. But maybe love is a leap of faith, Mark. Aye, and we'll take it. No. No. I don't think we will. In grad school, you dreamt things. But now, it's just... It's gone. That part of you. I look into your eyes, and instead of light, I just see a pair of dark holes. Oh. Shit. I'm going to go stay at my sister's for a while. Maybe look for a place. Babe, no. Um, I really thought we were going to make something. The door closes, and I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. I know I should feel some sense of loss or panic, but there's just a kind of nagging itch, like I've forgotten something important but can't remember what it is. What the fuck am I doing? Then I realize that it isn't one thing I've forgotten. It's all the things. Ankles tickled by walking barefoot in long grass. Sunburned shoulders after hours at the beach. Pizza and beer after a hard day. Singing along to a song you don't want to admit you like. Running your hands through your girl's hair. Talking and laughing and drinking and seeing and fucking and eating and feeling. Molding wet clay between my fingers as a form takes shape. I rip the device from behind my ear, 
Short wires dangle from the diodes, bloody from being plugged into me. I crush it underfoot. After another night of no sleep or hunger or sadness, I go back to 230 West Mendeline Avenue. Change me back. It doesn't work like that. Sorry, dude. I took out your fucking diodes. <laughs> you, you think that's gonna change anything? Those diodes don't do shit. They're just cosmetic. Something to reassure the clients in the early stages. It's inside of you now, Mark. It's a part of you. I don't want it! I want to go back! You know that's not true. It's true! You don't want anything, Mark. Not anymore. Except to succeed. I crumple. Because he's right. Come on. I want to show you something. I follow him into an elevator, and we descend into the bowels of 230 West Mendeleen. It takes a long time, long enough for the air in the elevator to grow thick and musty and warm. We finally step out onto some sort of observation deck. Oh my god. Stretching out below me, as far as I can see, are row after row after row of workers. They are all naked and attached to one another with wires that weave in and out of their skin and muscle. It twists and winds and makes its way to rigging suspended high above the enormous space. The top halves of their skulls have been removed and replaced with clear domes, their brains covered in wire and semiconductors. Turns out death row inmates will sign just about anything to keep on kicking. We offered them a deal. You come work for us and, you know, not die. <laughs> or stay in your cage and count down the days. Plus, we tell them that we're going to offer a stipend to their families. 99% sign the form before we even finish our spiel. And their governments are more than happy to take a few shekels for rapists and murderers and traitors. Win, win, win. We descend a long staircase. From close up, I can take in the details a lot more clearly. To my left, Scores of workers sleep in perfectly spaced rows of slings, machinery turning their bodies from time to time. To my right, they run endlessly on treadmills, nutrients funneled straight into their bloodstream via IV drips. Beyond the runners, dozens have intercourse on a series of platforms, a sweaty, roiling mass of bodies. It's simply a ceaseless cycle of penetration and orgasm, penetration and orgasm. The floor is covered in bodily secretion. Sprinklers wait to activate and wash it to one side, where it's vacuumed up by overhanging machines. When the sprinklers switch off, tubes carrying lubricant douse the workers, and they resume. Further from us, nearly a hundred workers wait at the end of a conveyor belt, shoveling food into their mouths. The immobile blobs of sweat and fat, virtual vats of ingestion, are nearly unrecognizable as human. They sit on buckets, pissing and shitting, pissing and shitting. When a bucket is full, a machine places it onto another conveyor, where it's whisked away and replaced by a new one. This expansive warehouse goes on and on and on. Finally, I retch, trying to vomit, but nothing comes out. It makes sense. I'm already empty. Everything you need, they do it for you. 
We were the first to discover that at the atomic level, basic bodily function is simply strands of information, a set of conversions and instructions. And once we understood that, it was simple enough to figure out how to transfer the information. We pump your body with nanoreceptors that can simulate energy, stimulation, thought, desire, the whole shebang. The receptors transmit the data back to our central mainframe and it's divvied up to the appropriate uh, worker. <laughs> and then we take the gratification signals they generate and send them back to your brain. All the gratification without the work, letting you focus on what's really important. The problem is we can't fake it. It has to be generated. The warehouse was born. This is, this is impossible. There ain't no such thing as a free lunch, remember? Someone has to pay the price, dude. I'll do something. I'll find a way to stop it. But I say it without conviction. Conviction is another thing I've forgotten. Tyler is still talking when, out of the corner of my eye, I spot it. My Venus. Her curves are smooth and perfect. Her eyes pure and deep as liquid night. She's just as I imagined. But she's being molded by someone else's hands. I watch as she's finished and passed through a kiln. The flames barely fade from her cheeks before another worker grabs her by the waist and throws her into a pile. A pile of identical, perfect copies. A pair of hands reaches for another piece of clay as I watch, horrified. I look down at my own hands as the room starts to spin. When I finally make it home, I swear to myself that I will do something. I don't know what, but something. I have to. I can't let them get away with this. It's pure evil. But there's so much work to do. My company now leases an entire floor of an executive suite building. From my glass-walled office on the mezzanine, I peer over the sea of workers. Desk after desk after desk, each with someone hunched before a screen. Typing, mousing, typing, mousing. Each focused on the one specific function I hired them to perform. And together, we're able to truly create something. With their help, I run the top-grossing personalized 3D modeling company in the country. It's a wonderful thing to behold. I made this. I made this with my bare hands. I start to remember something about my hands. Something about cold, wet earth between my fingertips. And a form almost starts to take shape. But before it can coalesce... I turn to my computer and see a message from an old college friend. Normally, I wouldn't take the time to respond. But my mind is still stuck on my fingertips, halfway through a long-forgotten sensation. So I open the message without thinking. How do you do it? It reads. I ponder this for a moment, and then type... 230 West Mendeline Avenue. The Motivation Cure was narrated by Matthew Wolfe and performed by Hugo Armstrong, Devon Silvery and Matthew Wolfe. This episode was directed and produced by Mark Holden at the Invisible Studios, West Hollywood. Dust is produced by Margaret Laney and Stephen Michael at Gunpowder and Sky. 
Dust is executive produced by Van Toffler and Floris Bauer at Gunpowder and Sky. The producers wish to thank Eric Bromberg, Avi Bagler, Paige Braun, and Riley Street for their many contributions to Horizons. <laughs>